It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law. Featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu, an attorney at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to mockbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Or call us at 312-726-1243. Why is serving, helping, and advocating for prisoners so important? Today, I will be speaking with Heather Rice Minus. Vice President of Government Affairs and Church Mobilization at Prison Fellowship, the nation's largest Christian nonprofit serving prisoners, former inmates, and their families. Through advocacy initiatives and partnerships, Prison Fellowship helps to transform the many lives affected by incarceration. Heather, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Heather, can you tell us a little bit more about the work of Prison Fellowship? Absolutely. So, Prison Fellowship is the nation's largest Christian nonprofit serving uh, people in prison, uh, their families, and those who are formerly incarcerated. Um, and we're also a leading advocate for criminal justice reform. Um, our, we're mostly known for um, our programs in prison um, and ministry work. Um, we reach hundreds of prisons across the country, um, and we have about 25,000 incarcerated men and women who go through um, our faith-based programs uh, every month. Uh, but we also are very involved uh, in Congress and in state capitals in trying to push for a more restorative approach to criminal justice. Wow. And can you tell us a little bit more about uh, your role specifically with Prison Fellowship? Absolutely. So um, I'm, I'm very focused on that, that second piece, um, trying to not only um, bring our gospel values to bear inside prisons that we talk individually, um, with people who are incarcerated, but also trying to bring them to bear uh, when it comes to system change. And um, I believe as Christians, we're um, called uh, to act when we see injustice. And um, that's why I think uh, reforming the criminal justice system is so important. Um, we've been getting faith leaders and churches involved in this work, um, in addition to the ministry work that they're doing um, inside prisons and with families uh, who have incarcerated loved ones. Um, and now I'm really excited to take on an expanded role um, more recently with church mobilization and really try and make sure that churches and Christian denominations are aware of all that Prison Fellowship um, has to offer and help them um, expand their partnership with us. Hmm. And w- what does it look like to mobilize churches in this area? A key resource we've been using that um, I get really excited about uh, is Outrageous Justice. Um, we have a small group curriculum. Uh, that was co-authored by myself and um, my colleagues, uh, Craig DeRoche and Jeffy Meese. Uh, and so it provides a small group um, study, six sessions. There's videos and then discussion questions afterwards, and it really allows churches to kind of dig deeper into why we should care uh, about those who are incarcerated and practical steps of how we can respond, um, both when it comes to direct ministry and advocacy. So that's a key tool we really encourage churches to to use first. Um, And then there's also a companion book that you can read on your own that delves even deeper um, into theology and statistics and and policy um, surrounding justice in America. Um, But there's a variety of ways to get involved uh, with our our programs inside prisons, um, serving families through our industry program, 
and then in our advocacy work as well. Wow. Yeah, that six-week study sounds really interesting. I know my church is always looking for new small group ideas, and a structured program like that could be something that could be pretty easy to implement um, as a small group. Uh, where can we find those sort, sorts of resources? I would tell your church and those who are listening to go to um, prisonfellowship.org slash outrageousjustice. Um, there you can actually order all of the study guide, access the um, videos, and see the action steps um, for free, um, and we'll mail you the study books and uh, companion books for free of charge. Uh, and so we'd love to put those in the hands of um, small groups who would like to use them and really tackle this issue together. That's great. Um, I know you've already touched on this a little bit, but can you expand a little bit on, on why it's important to help prisoners? Sure. Um, so a few things. I mean, just uh, in our country, the, the world's leading incarcerator uh, and uh, with 2.2 million people in prison and another 4.5 um, on probation or parole and community corrections. Um, this is just an issue that touches everyone. There's um, a recent report by um, our partners at Forward.us that says um, about half of Americans uh, have currently or have had a uh, loved one uh, from their family and their immediate family um, who has experienced incarceration. So this is just an issue that touches everyone. It has a ripple effect um, with 2.7 million children um, growing up with a parent who's incarcerated. Um, so it's something that we really have to take a look at um, in every community in our country. And we have to ask, you know, why this is happening and what we can do about it. And um, in addition to those practical reasons uh, of wanting to ensure that people um, aren't going to prison if they shouldn't be there or aren't staying longer than they should be, um, those are matters of justice, um, we also should be concerned um, with making sure that people are getting the skills and resources that they need if they do go to prison uh, so that they can come home and live as productive citizens and reach their God-given mm -hmm. potential. Uh, at Prison Fellowship, we're um, committed to um, really seeking the Imago Day in everyone we serve, including our incarcerated brothers and sisters. Um, every one of us is made in the image of God, and um, none of us, you know, according to the gospel, are defined by our worst choices. Uh, and so we love being able to share that message with um, the men and women we meet inside. That's great. I'm, I'm really encouraged by the work your organization does. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu of the law firm of Mock and Baker. If you missed part of this show or want to hear other Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit mockbaker.com. Today, we have been speaking with Heather Rice Minus, Vice President of Government Affairs and Church Mobilization at Prison Fellowship, about the importance of engaging prisoners as a church. Um, so I, I understand that your work is is uh, more national in scope, Heather. Um, but here in Illinois, uh, you know, we're legalizing marijuana, and as a result, um, I, I think they're going to revisit or potentially make available the expungement of uh, convictions for uh, possession of small amounts of marijuana. Um, and in light of what you said, that there are so many people who are either currently incarcerated or who know someone who's incarcerated. Um, are, are these sorts of reforms, uh, are they tracking with the kind of work that your organization is seeking to do? They are. Uh, we, we have a few focus areas, one of them being uh, proportional punishment. Um, we believe people should be held accountable for crime, you know, crime harms the community that includes um, drug crime. 
Um, we also believe, though, in a restorative approach. So some, once someone has been held accountable, especially once they've paid their debt, um, we, we want them to be able to live as productive citizens. And so um, expungement and other uh, reforms that are really creating opportunities for people to have a meaningful second chance um, are, are things that we're seeing um, trend across the country um, and that we're excited about. Um, and we actually have a, a report coming out this fall. I'd encourage your listeners to take a look at the prisonfellowship.org website, check out our justice reform resources later, um, and sign up for them. Um, and it's going to compare how jurisdictions and um, states across the country are treating possession crimes um, for, for drugs like marijuana and others um, very differently. And so what does that say about um, justice and if all of the states um, think that um, different uh, sentences uh, are merited for different uh, types of drugs. Uh, and so I think there's um, some reform and reflection that needs to happen in this area. Sure. Yeah, it, it seems a little unfortunate that um, depending on where you live or, or where you're arrested or where you're convicted, perhaps, um, that the sentences could be so widely, uh, there could be such a wide range of potential sentences that you could face. Exactly. Um, and I think another thing uh, that maybe some of us don't always process is, uh, and especially as attorneys, is, you know, um, once that gavel, you know, hits, it's it's really not the end of the story for people with a criminal record. Um, it, it's really kind of a, a, a scarlet letter people carry with them. Um, it's punishment without end in our country. People have a hard time getting jobs, um, going back to school. Um, and there's just a general stigma that comes with having a criminal record. And in fact, that's why Prison Fellowship um, started a movement a few years ago celebrating April um, as Second Chance Month. And we've really been encouraged to see employers and churches um, get involved in that effort. That's great. Um, so, so talking about you specifically again, um, what sparked your passion for criminal justice reform? Because it's really apparent in your in how you're talking about this issue that this is an issue that's it's really close to your heart. And I guess if you're willing to share a little bit more of, of how your story led you in this direction. Yeah, well, it's definitely not been, um, you know, a straight path for me. I've uh, had uh, God kind of uh, led me here in some unusual ways. I, I was really interested in um, foster care and adoption policy, and that's still a passion for me. Um, but as I was um, starting out law school, after having spent a year abroad in East Africa, volunteering in orphanages, having this incredible year, I started law school, and maybe like some of your listeners, um, really did not like my first semester and found myself um, trying to remind myself why I was doing this and putting myself through this. Um, mm. And so I actually started um, just applying to some jobs uh, that um, sort of had a, a focus on justice, um, whether it was for children or, or other areas. And I started working at this nonprofit that was um, focused on detainee issues. And as I worked there while I was in law school, um, it actually opened up a portfolio into prison issues. And so just kind of circumstance, I ended up taking over that portfolio and my eyes were just opened um, to this massive issue we have in our country. Um, and then kind of pieces um, continued to unfold as I moved over to prison fellowship after law school um, and got to um, apply um, my gospel values um, and my faith as a believer to this area. That's great how God sort of prodded you and, and led you in this direction. Coming up, we will talk further with Heather Rice Minus, Vice President of Government Affairs and Church Mobilization at Prison Fellowship, 
about how we can be more intentional about serving those in prison. I'm Terry Liu, and this is Lawyers for Jesus. Have you ever thought of Jesus as a lawyer? Sometimes he used the law to make a difference, and so must we. In Jesus in the Courtroom, John Mott shows you how you can engage the legal system for the good of his world. Jesus in the Courtroom shows you how to get involved in issues like abortion, religious freedom, and much more. If you're concerned for your community, read Jesus in the Courtroom. More at JesusInTheCourtroom.com. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu, an attorney at Mock and Baker, a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals in their legal needs. If you missed the first part of this show and want to listen online, go to mockbaker.com forward slash radio. Today, we've been speaking with Heather Rice Minus, Vice President of Government Affairs and Church Mobilization at Prison Fellowship, about the importance of engaging uh, with criminal justice reform and with prisoners as the church. Thank you for speaking with us again today, Heather. Um, I kind of cut you off a little bit on that first segment, but you were talking about the journey that God has led you on um, to bring you to your current work. Uh, would you like to continue that response? Sure. I'll just sum it up by saying that God kind of brought it full circle. I um, you know, ended up working on this in a professional capacity, um, but being able to, to work at a Christian organization and think about it through a faith lens. Um, but then in a few years after I started at Prison Fellowship, I actually had a family member um, who ended up being incarcerated, um, and we ended up starting writing letters to each other. Um, and that actually kind of opened my eyes to how um, I, I had never sort of identified a situation when I was living in East Africa as being a, a, um, a victim of crime, but I actually had my house robbed um, while I was uh, sleeping alone um, in my apartment, um, and that kind of had an effect on me. And, and him and I started writing back and forth about this. And, and anyway, God sort of brought this full circle to have kind of a, um, a personal uh, impact on me as well. Sure. Yeah, and that becomes part of your story and your experience, and it informs the way you think about the issue, which which I'm sure is part of your testimony as well, which, which is a really cool way that God seems to work in our lives. It's really cool. Um, so I heard a sermon yesterday, actually, at my church, um, and it was about this concept of justice and how uh, justice, um, as the term is used in the Bible, is includes this idea of retributive justice or justice mm-hmm. um, as natural consequences for wrongdoing or justice as punishment for wrongdoing. But that in the Bible, there's also this larger concept of justice that uh, includes something called restorative justice. Um, And could you tell our listeners a little bit about this concept of restorative justice and how it might inform the work that you do? Absolutely. So um, I I love that your church was talking about this. And, you know, we do believe that um, retribution or just punishment um, is part of what we see um, in terms of justice in the Bible. Um, But I think in America in particular, we tend to kind of um, take that uh, to almost a revengeful um, position. Uh, We actually had some really interesting polling that we commissioned um, with Barna a couple years ago that we're going to be repeating to hopefully see progress over time. But we asked um, those who are being polled um, uh, their position on the statement um, it's important to make an example out of someone for certain crimes, even if it means giving them a more severe punishment than their crime deserves. Um, we had 49% of Americans agree with this, and we had 53% of practicing Christians agree with that statement. Um, so giving someone 
a punishment beyond what their crime deserves is um, basically the definition of disproportional punishment. Mm-hmm. And um, what we're seeing with a restorative approach is that you know, crime is really you know, not just an offense against state, even though that's the way our legal system here sets it up, right? Um, if you look in the Bible, it's really about um, harm and broken relationships um, between people um, and, and tearing the fabric of society. And what God seeks throughout Scripture is to bring people back into right relationship um, and restored relationship um, wherever possible. And, and of course, that needs to include holding someone accountable. Um, that's part of that process um, leading towards restoration. But still is giving people an opportunity to um, transform um, through that accountability process. Um, it's also giving um, people who've been harmed by crime an opportunity to have a voice uh, and um, to care for them as the church. Um, and it's also people, once we've allowed someone to pay their debt um, for what they've done, giving them a true second chance. Um, our God uh, is definitely an amazing God of second chances to each of us. Uh, and we believe once someone's paid their debt in the justice system, that we should also extend that same um, offer of second chances to our brothers and sisters who return home. Mm. Um, do, do you either from uh, your personal experience or, or perhaps from um, something you've encountered through your work, do you have a, a story of how restorative justice at work was able to bring someone back into right relationship? Sure. So um, we, we really see this all the time um, in our academy programs at Prison Fellowship. Um, our academy is our most intensive faith-based program that Prison Fellowship offers uh, in over 90 prisons across the country. Uh, and we invite men and women to participate. Um, they can be Christian. They can be no faith, um, any faith at all. Uh, but we're going to walk through them, uh, walk through 500 hours of curriculum with them that really, um, from a Christian worldview, is evaluating um kind of the, the core reasons of why they got there and trying to grapple with that. And um, a key part of that includes uh, making amends for what you've done. And so we have so many countless stories of um, people um, uh, going back if they have the opportunity to do so and the victim of their crime wants to meet with them um, to, to do that. Um, and then we also see people that might be not an opportunity for someone. Maybe the victim of the crime doesn't want to meet with the person, um, or maybe it's a crime um, like drug crime or, or something along those lines that doesn't have a direct victim. And in those cases, um, I so many amazing stories I can think of. Um, Marcus Bullock, um, who's now the founder of Slickshop, for example, and a dear friend of mine um, who's giving back to the community um, as an entrepreneur and hiring formerly incarcerated people. Um, and, and just making an incredible um, impression on the young people of today um, about how to, to live differently and um, how to use their strengths um, in a way that's positive for the community. And so those are also um, other opportunities that people have to, to bring restoration um, where they perhaps once made some poor choices. That's amazing. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Terry Liu of the law firm Mock & Baker. If you've missed part of this show or want to hear other Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit mockbaker.com forward slash radio. Today, we've been speaking with Heather Rice Minus, Vice President of Government Affairs and Church Mobilization at Prison Fellowship, about the uh, positive impact of restorative justice as an approach to criminal justice reform. 
Um, yeah, he hearing that description of sort of lives changed uh, in a way that can then positively impact other people um, is, is so powerful. Um, I'm just thinking about people at my church um, who are formerly involved in gangs and through the mm -hmm. gospel encountering Christ were, were able to come out of those situations and how they are now a powerful encouragement to other people that feel stuck in that lifestyle um, to, to see that there mm -hmm. are potential ways out of that. Um, and so sort of breaking these sort of cycles of incarceration or um, poor choices, kind of like you said, um, it's really, it's really encouraging way of seeing the gospel at work in a practical way. Right, and, and God can use um, anyone, right? God loves to use um, the people we least expect. And thinking of Chicago, I have to give a quick shout-out to Pastor John Kelly of Chicago West Bible Church. Um, he's formerly incarcerated and is now pastoring a congregation there. And, um, you know, he, he's been a pastor on parole, he says. <laughs> um, and so really forcing the church to grapple with these issues. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, so on that topic, uh, so how can uh, the church be encouraged to be more intentional about building relationships with prisoners? So I, I think every church, if they, whether they realize it or not, has people in their pews who have a loved one who's incarcerated or someone in their pew who is actually someone with a criminal record. Um, we know that um, an estimated one in three American adults have a criminal record. So there is definitely someone in your pew who's been affected by this, whether they um, want uh, to talk openly about it or not. And the impact of having a criminal record lasts far longer than I think um, we, we tend to think about the immediate reentry after people come home from prison um, or about people who are currently incarcerated. But it, it's really um, a lifetime of walking with people and um, partnering with them and allowing people to use their gifts and reach that God-given potential um, and be true believers in um, redemption. So not only would I encourage churches to check out if there's opportunities at prisonfellowship.org for them to get involved in volunteering in one of our um, academy programs, if you're, if you're near one of those facilities, um, but the Angel Tree program is a great opportunity to serve children of incarcerated parents in your community. Um, and then also I would uh, encourage folks to um, just start thinking and having conversations about how criminal justice has impacted your community and members of your congregation. And I think people would be surprised um, as members of the congregation kind of come out of the woodwork and say, raise their hand and say, you know, yes, I've been uh, incarcerated or yes, you know, my son is currently incarcerated, whatever it may be. Um, this touches a lot of people and I think there's a lot of stories and um, strengths that can be gleaned right from your own congregation. Yeah, and it, you're right. It's it, it's such a challenging conversation potentially to have in the church context, but it's such an important one. Um, and and so you know, if we're asking people to to engage us with the truth, we have to be willing to respond in love. And sort of one doesn't work without the other. Heather, thanks for speaking with us today. How can people learn more about Prison Fellowship and get involved? I, I would send people to prisonfellowship.org. There's a variety of resources and opportunities there. And in particular, um, check out our Second Chance Month um, and sign up as a church partner. And you can get access to our Second Chance Sunday toolkit um, so your congregation can talk about this um, during one of your services. All right. Thank you so much for sharing what's on your heart, Heather. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Mock and Baker. You can reach us at 312 726-1243. The number again is 
or at mockbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Visit our website to subscribe to our Religious Liberty Newsletter with legal updates, or call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. Thank you for listening. I'm Terry Liu, attorney at Mock and Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus. Have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.